we got big goals now, so we're not going to be able to crush those. I don't think you never know, but now just having that mindset and understanding that you can do a lot and you can accomplish a lot if you have the right mindset and if you set the goals and you figure out how to get there. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Naked Truth about real estate investing. I am your host, Javier Hinojo. And today I have Sam Prim. He's out of St. Louis. That's right. He is in St. Louis. I'm probably going to forget. I'm asking him again during the show. But he started roughly yeah six, seven years ago, has 260 plus doors, some self-storage, over $40 million in real estate. And he's been doing this full time for the last maybe three or four years. I'm going to let you guys hear his story. He does some coaching. He's really big on TikTok, Instagram. Go check him out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So Sam, let's roll. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. I like to, I like to kind of uh, open these up and I don't have like a crazy story, which is a good thing. I'm about as normal as it gets, you know, just a normal dude from the Midwest. Dad was a engineer. Mom was a teacher. And I've been able to do some pretty cool things in the past few years and build some pretty substantial wealth. And I feel like I'm just getting started. And the cool thing is like, I'm not special at all. I didn't inherit money. And, you know, I am I was a few years ago where a lot of people are. And I think that should be exciting and encouraging that pretty much anybody can do, you know, what I've done and what you're doing. You just got to kind of know where to go and get pointing in the right direction. So hopefully this chat will kind of be just some encouragement for people to know that wherever they're starting, they can get to, you know, where they want to go. Everybody's past a little bit different, but, you know, real estate's a pretty powerful tool for people. That is awesome. Sam, where are you located? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So out of St. Louis, Midwest. So tell me where your uh, where you do most of your investment. Is it there in the Midwest or, or St. Louis? Where do you buy your properties? Yep. Everything's in St. Louis. So all my 265 rental doors that you mentioned are in St. Louis. Um, I own a house buying company here. We're going to flip about 300 houses this year. I mean, it's all in St. Louis. So we do everything here locally. You know, I have students from around the country and we were talking earlier about Collective Genius. I have, you know, connections from around the country. So I'm, I'm in pretty good ear to the grindstone of uh, what's going on around the country. But in St. Louis, that's my backyard. That's where I grew up. And that's where uh, I invest. The flips and the, and the rentals are all here in St. Louis. All right. So was that your first investment property, your first real estate transaction was, was in St. Louis as well? Yep. Single right, so t- so tell me about that first one. So... I actually didn't know about the Burroughs method and the refinance at the time. My plan was to buy a house. I knew you could get other people's money. My plan was to buy a house, fix it up, sell it, and take that profit and put 20% down on a rental. So for every one rental, I was going to have to buy you know two houses, one to flip and profit and one to put, uh, to put 20% down on. During that process, I found out about the 80% cash out refinance, the Burrs method, and ended up refinancing that one and keeping it. I still own it today. It's a great case study for the power of real estate. I bought it, you know, 7 years ago and you know, it was worth 125, now it's worth over 200. I owed 100, now I owe less than 60. So, you know, it's an example of one property getting almost $150,000 in equity in just a few years and the power of that times 5 times 10 times 20, whatever you want. But um yeah, still own it to this day and it's a a great case study for the power of, uh, you know, just one single property. That is awesome because I, yeah, I was going to say you started about seven years ago, roughly 2015-ish. We kind of started around the same year, which is awesome. So when you saw you, you got your first rental, right? You say, hey, I'm cash flowing 200 bucks a month, whatever that number was. All right, great. Now I got to flip two properties. I got to buy another one. So I'm assuming in your mind, you started planning out like, okay, I need to, I need to flip 25 properties. I want to have 10 rentals because you had this magic number. I'm assuming that you, got, you wanted to get to. So did you plan this whole out and just said, okay, I'm going to start hitting and scaling my business? 
Yeah, for sure. So there was, so the plan wasn't to do as much as I've done or even did at the time. You know, the plan initially was one house a year for 10 years and then at 10 years start to pay them off and just kind of retire with a few extra million along with my, you know, job and retire at that point. It was never really to quit my job. That wasn't my initial goal. Then I started to do it and see the power of it, do some wholesales, like you mentioned, some flips and buy some rentals. And by 2018, I got my business and my connections and my banking relationships and my lending relationships with private lenders and my connections for house deals up to a point where I felt like I could quit my job. So then I did in 2018. So I've been full-time for four years now and everything's kind of really exploded. I went from you know 10 hours a week on this real estate thing as a side hustle to, you know, to whatever, depending on the week, 50, 60, 70 hours a week on it. So that has shown in the numbers and the growth and the profit and everything. But yeah, there wasn't like a strategic plan, but as it got closer, I was like, all right, I feel like I have enough connections and enough to where you know, if I do quit, I got active income while I'm growing my passive income. Cause you know, yeah, like you said, growing rentals and single families, 200, 300 bucks a door, that takes a while to, to add up to any uh, substantial active income. For sure. So I like the way you said, Hey, I started working. I was, I had a job. I started, you know, I wanted to do one a year. Then you start making your connections, right? You start making your banking connections, your lender connections with some other investors. And you start learning more strategies. You start exploring more, start hanging out with people that are doing what you're doing. And you just start, you know, holy crap, this can really go really big. That took you roughly like what? Two or three years, right? About three years. Okay. Roughly about three years. So a lot of people like, they want to do it in three months, you know? They're like, okay, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this in three months. It's, everybody has to understand if, if you have a job, you know, I'm not sure what you were making in your job. If you're not, if you didn't come from money, if you didn't have a lot of connections, right? You got to kind of, you got to start building those connections, right? You got to start building that network, start building that, that credibility. And, and at some point, the balls will start rolling, right? So tell, yeah. tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, I think to, to piggyback off that and, and to emphasize that a little bit, yeah, I think the biggest reason people fail is, you know, improper expectations. Like you said, I'm going to be rich in three months. And if I'm not rich in three months, I quit. Having the expectation that this is going to take two, three, four, and five years, you're going to have to work your butt off. But it's better to work your butt off for five years and enjoy the next 50 than to work for somebody else for 50 so you can maybe enjoy five. So I love what you said there as far as you know the expectations people have are sometimes inaccurate and that makes them quit. And if you have proper expectations that the thing, this thing's gonna take five years and when it does, I'll be set, but not thinking that's gonna take, you know, just three months. That that's inaccurate. But yeah, we basically just kind of um, started to build and scale. And I had a good job that I quit, which it made it easier to borrow money, I guess. I got approved from you know banks, but you can have a decent paying job and a decent credit score and a bank will gladly do a you know, refinance loan on a house or a small apartment. So you know, it was nice to have that, but it was also more of a risk that I quit having that job. But yeah, as we started to build relationships and connections and about that 2018 timeframe, you know, I had probably 20 rentals and four or five flips in the pipeline and a couple of wholesales was when I, I decided to take the leap and put all my eggs in the real estate basket. And for the first year and a half, two years, I made less money doing this than I did my old job. But then it started to kind of mold and meld and, and really scale from there. Just you or did you start bringing out some staff at what point? Um, so everything is um, me and my business partner, Lucas, we own everything together. This Our education company, our flipping company, our rentals, everything we own together. So having somebody that can be your yin to your yang and help divide and conquer, for lack of a better terms, has been huge. And we started to bring off on staff pretty early because we had full-time jobs, both of us, and a part-time property manager at first, and then a project manager, somebody that manages the rehabs that we can pay from the rehab funds. So we borrow money from a private lender. 
to buy and fix up a house. And part of that borrowing money is paying our project manager for managing the project. So it was a, a way to bring on some staff and not have to shell out money from our personal income to bring somebody on staff. Yeah, for sure. That, that's very smart. Add a little bit of extra to that rehab just to cover your construction costs. And it's part of the construction, right? It's not like you're going to go to a, a vacation, right? It's part of the process. So a lot of people don't think about that and you can do that, especially if you're if you're doing two, three at a time, four at a time, you could take an extra, you know, three to five grand per project or whatever that is. At least you know you're going to be able to pay your your guy. You, you're not putting money out of your pocket, and you still have money coming in, even though you're not flipping yet, right? Hasn't sold, but you still got money to to pay your staff to do the project management. Well, that, that's pretty cool. Goes a long way, yeah. Right. yeah, for sure. Um, so I know you have some small kids, right? You have you have some small kids. Did you have kids when you uh, quit your job? I did, yeah. So my okay. my daughter was born 2016. I quit my job in 18. So my uh, daughter Maisie was two. I have a four month old now, but yeah, she was two at the time. So um, like I said, there was it was a, it was a nice job, but there was definitely some some risk and some convincing that had to happen on my part. Yeah. So how did that happen? Like how did that conversation go? Well, at that point, it was gotten a lot better. So the first few years of investing, I wasn't super communicative with my wife at the time, and I was spending evenings and weekends like everybody does at first, grinding, doing as much work as you can. And she was like, "Why are you doing all this? You got a good job, you know." Her plan and our plan was for me to work and then retire when I'm fifty or whatever, and have some rentals, but then also continue to work for somebody else until that point. And I didn't clearly clarify the vision, and I didn't really know the vision at the time. I think was part of it. So what I started to do was I started to um, do monthly PowerPoint presentations to my wife and explain what I was doing and why we were doing it and the numbers and just give her a better picture as I was developing my own picture. Honestly, it was a good exercise for me, but I communicated with her. And by that point, she was pretty sold on real estate. So it wasn't too hard to convince her. She just was like, I trust you. This is what you want to do. You know, it helped that my job was like, you want to come back, you can come back anytime. So that was kind of nice. I don't know if they would have taken me back or not. But yeah, I was uh, just got to communicate and just lay out the plan for me and for my wife. When the time came to quit, it was a pretty easy conversation. Yeah, that is awesome. My wife, you know, for her, it was security, right? She wanted to feel like secure and like, hey, what, what are the next plans? So, you know, any business you do, especially if you're starting from scratch and you're going to be successful at it, right? It's, it's a challenge, right? It's not as difficult as a challenge, not impossible. It's always nicer and it makes it a little bit easier transition, right? If you have support at home. Right. And sometimes, you know, obviously for me, I feel you, right? I was, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week, showing up. I would get that look from my wife because I was on the phone or I was looking at another deal. It's Sunday night, family's over, and I was just working all the time. So I used to get those looks every once in a while. And, but I'm very happy, right? That, um, that she supports me. Now we're on the same page. And hopefully you didn't have a hard time as I did. So it wasn't too bad, but uh, there were, there was a few conversations. But in general, she's, uh, she was a good sport about it. Yeah. That's awesome because there's, there's, like I said, this, this business is, is challenging enough. It's easier if you have some support at home from you or from your significant other. So that's awesome. I want to talk about at what point did you really realize, like, you know what, I can take this to 265 houses or now, like even doors, even a thousand. Like I know you, I'm sure you have, you know, a thousand, not even out of, out of the reach or 2000 or whatever your goal is going to be. But at what time did you realize that? Like, what did you have to do? Like, where did you hang out? Did you pay for coaching or what did you do? Yeah, just being around people, um, you know, at a high level masterminds and people that are crushing what you're doing is a good eye opener. But I think it was more of just honestly the social media stuff. I talked about it a lot. I talk about all the time and goals and people setting goals. And our goal is to own twenty five million dollars in real estate by twenty twenty five. We own forty million right now, and it's twenty twenty two. And you know, our original goal is one house a year for ten years. Like I said, so setting these goals that seem big at the time but really aren't 
was, I don't know if it was a mistake. I don't know if it held me back at all, but it was definitely something that we were missing because we kept crushing our goals, which is cool. Yay, yay, ha ha. Good for us. But that's not really the point is it for it to be a stretch. So now that you brought it up now, we kind of went the other way. So right now our goal is to own a billion dollars in real estate and to bring a NBA team to St. Louis. So we got big goals now. So we're not going to be able to crush those. I don't think you never know, but now the like you said, there's just having that mindset and understanding that, you know, you can do a lot and you can accomplish a lot if you, you know, have the right mindset and if you set the goals and you figure out how to get there. So yeah, billion dollars in real estate and NBA team in St. Louis. So that's where you'll see me trying to get to. All right. That's awesome. So today was the first day in a long time. I don't wear my billion dollar shirt. You know, I'm like, dang it. I wish I'd wear it as soon as you said that. I looked at my shirt and I don't have it on. You would have stole I, my thunder. Come on now. There's no, a no, I just, I, just, I was just going to be pointing at the shirt, you know, and it's, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's a, it's a billion dollars, right? Bring a uh, NBA team to St. Louis. That'd be that'd be pretty badass. You already you guys already have a baseball team and a hockey team, and no basketball and a St. Louis MLS. Yeah, MLS team. Yeah, MLS. Yeah. Uh, football left and all that yeah, political stuff. But yeah, the NBA team. It's a cool goal. It'd be cool to be an owner, right? I know most oh, people. Yeah. You know, we'd be a majority owner, but you know, there'd be own, other owners in there, and I've have ideas of like syndicating it almost like raising oh, money sure. on social media and having people be very, very small owners like the Packers, but actually own that part of the team. And for 250 grand, you can own 0.05% of the team and stuff like that. So some really cool ideas. And if we did it, it would mean we really positively impacted St. Louis. We would be bringing jobs to St. Louis. We would have to have made a lot of money, obviously made a lot of connections and really made the city desirable. Cause right now NBA is probably not even on the radar for St. Louis. So anyway, it's just a big goal, but it's just a tangible goal to, if we really want to impact, St. Louis positively, make it a better city, really kind of make it a great place to live and a great place to do business and an attractive place. Having the NBA team, we wouldn't be able to have an NBA team if we didn't do all that, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like a barometer point to uh, create impact here in St. Louis. That's an awesome goal. And I wish you the best with that NBA team. Four right? tickets. I'll get Heck you four yeah. tickets. How about that? Awesome. Heck yeah. Definitely go out to go out to St. Louis. I haven't been there in a while. So talking about how everybody could be an owner, right? On a basketball team, just like all the the Packers are owned by pretty much the people, the fans, right? So how do you structure your, your real estate, right? Are you buying a single family? Are you buying some multifamily? Are you buying, what, what are you buying? Yes, we do a little bit of not everything because there's obviously there's a ton in the real estate space, but the biggest things that I own are, you know, we own six apartment complexes, small and medium apartment complexes, 32, 27, 29, those range is apartments. And then um, single family rentals, and then a couple self storage. And then we also, like I said, we fix and flip and wholesale about 300 houses a year. So, you know, our fix and flips and our wholesales, those are wholesaling. You know, if we don't close on it, we don't need any money for it. We have private lenders that help fund that business. And we also have great relationships with banks that will fund those deals if we need to. So the fix and flips and the wholesales are pretty easy, just leveraging private lender relationships and, and banking relationships in and out quickly. Right. And then our single family rentals pretty easy. The Burrs method, you know, private lender for the purchase and rehab and then refinance at a small local bank. The apartments and self-storage are where it gets a little more creative. And I'm sure you have some insight here, but we've done it a ton of different ways. We've given up equity ownership in the LLC that owns the building to get lenders involved. We've done just preferential interest rates with buyouts on sale or refinance. So we've kind of mixed and matched depending on the deal and depending on the lenders that we bring in. But we've got creative to make them work and may have mentioned it, but yeah, like everything that I've bought up to this point has been no money out of pocket. So the 40 million and the 265 
rentals, the self-storage, all that kind of stuff has been with none of my own money because we've been able to leverage and get creative on financing like I know you do as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of folks think, hey, you know, I need to have, I need to flip a few houses, have some money and then put down for a rental, just like the way you started, right? And because that's nobody ever talks about, hey, you know what? You can, there's some busy professionals who got money that would be happy with an 8% return on the money and they'll let you borrow money to go buy a house. They'll give you 100% to buy the house and 100% of the rehab if you structure it properly, right? You go to a bank, they might give you the same or they might give you 80%. Money to smaller, but you can still borrow that down payment as well from somebody else. Maybe they don't have 200K, but they got 40K. Right. There's a lot of ways uh, to creatively be able to buy real estate because, yeah, you could use your own cash. But if you use your own cash, you're going to run out of money. I mean, there's just only so much you can scale with, right? You're going to be a few projects and then there's all your money. You can't really scale. So um, I like the way you, you structured everything, right? You, you did uh, some typical, I guess you call it, you give them some equity, right, on the project for some money. You do some straight just interest on their money as well, or you cash them out at the end or some, I'm, I'm sure some probably stay in the deal. I'm not sure. But I guess at the end of the day, if somebody's asking, what should I give my investors, right? And, and what I tell them usually, and I'll see what your point is, but I usually tell them, well, what do they want? Like, do you need somebody who needs a lot of depreciation? You want somebody who just wants some cash on cash? Or do you want somebody who wants some long-term cash flow, right? So maybe they want to stay part owner, right? But like, what do you say to those people that ask you, hey, how much should I pay my investor or, or what should I tell them? Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, yeah, like you said, it kind of depends on the deal and the investor and, and what they're looking for. And you're going to have the most success when you try to come up with a solution for their money. Like you, like you said, if you may just say, give me a deal on this flip, I'll pay you back. They may do it. But if they want a reoccurring revenue stream, then you may be able to get more money. If you get that out of them, that they want to partner with you on an apartment and get two grand a month for, you know, three, four years until you sell or refinance. So uh, finding out what you're, what they want, but as far as, you know, tactically, it's usually that eight to 12% Usually newer investors, maybe, you know, we'll try to get them to that 12-ish percent annualized, of course, and then bring it back down. We structure things, whatever makes sense for the deal and for the private lender we bring in, but we figure out what they want, exactly like you said. And we have the options for the quick flips in and out, if they want to just make money quickly, or if they want the long-term. All of our stuff has been three to four-year investments at that point where we have created enough equity and the bigger deals to buy them out on a refinance and either take full ownership or just not have them on the not have to pay them anymore, depending if we give them ownership or not. So um yeah, just completely and the answer depends is not always good, but you're right, it depends on the deal and the and the and the actual investor. Awesome. So you mentioned uh, a little bit ago you started scaling, you started hanging out with the right people, joining some masterminds. And I'm a big advocate for masterminds. You know, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for that because you get around people that are doing what you want to do. They're like maybe way ahead of you. And if it was going to take you five years, like it was going to take you to 2025. Now you're already there. You, you doubled it pretty much and you hit your goal. And it's going through to these events, going to networking events, masterminds, where you have some high level investors and some folks offer coaching as well. So g- give me a little bit of insight on that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where. If people think they can do it on their own, they're not to be too blunt, but they're probably wrong. I mean, everybody has a little bit of, you know, beating their chest. I'm going to do this on my own, but there's not one successful person I know that hasn't at least paid for some type of coaching or mentorship. Like I'm sure they're out there, but I've never met anybody that's like super successful that hasn't paid to be around other people. Now we, you know, you're giving away a ton of information on this podcast. I give a ton away for free on social media, but there's only so much you can do that with. You got to pay to get somebody who's been where you want to go and give you the groove path, just minimum, give you guardrails, you know, maybe even like walk you through deals. That's just the way that it works. I mean, 
most people agree Tom Brady's the best quarterback ever. He has like eight coaches. He has a nutritionist. He's got a head coach. He's got an offensive coordinator. He has a arm, a strength and conditioning coach. He has a mental health coach. He has like eight coaches and he's the best ever. He knows I'm not the best at A, B, C, and D. I'm the best at playing football, but everything else, I need help to support me. So people that are the best at what they do need help. So you're, I'm not, you're not, we're not the people starting aren't the best real estate investors. So to think you're going to do it on your own is, is a little bit naive in my opinion. And it's just one of those things where most people get to the point where they're like, okay, I need help. But the sooner you get to that point, the more successful you'll be um, unless you're super, super hard-headed. But yeah, I, it changed my life just being around other people and learning tactical as well as mindset things that'll push you. And that is awesome. That's well, well said. Well said, Sam. Um, you know, I tell folks all the time that if you want to get, you know, want to get better at something, or even if you're going to start doing something, go find a coach, find somebody you connect with, find somebody that you feel like you can relate to and that can help you in your path. And they're going to charge you. Of course, you got to charge for your time or you can do, go do it on your own. You're going to pay the street. You can either pay somebody who's done it before to help you give you some process systems. You're going to pay the street. And I tell you what, the street is tough, man. I, I paid the street a few times and, uh, Got beat up pretty good. So. Headaches and oh, yeah, yeah. inefficiencies, and you're going to lose more money than you're going to would pay a coach with yeah. losing money or just inefficiencies and less profit or less equity in rentals just by not doing it the right way. Awesome. So, with that point, how does somebody get a hold of you? You got a YouTube, a social media. Yep, TikTok, um, YouTube, Instagram, all at Sam Faster Freedom. Ton of free content on all those platforms. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but on the 10th of August, I'm dropping my own podcast. So I'm checking out. It's going to be called Ordinary Guys, Extraordinary Wealth. Me and my business partner, Lucas, just talking about how we're normal and, and what we're doing. So I'm excited about that. So yeah, just hit me up on any of those platforms. I'd be glad to answer your questions and give you advice on whatever you have questions on. Awesome. And um, hit you up there as well, guys. If you're looking for a mentor for a coach, Sam uh, has a coaching program as well. We didn't really chat much about that, but you can find out more information on his uh, Instagram account. And I met Sam a few times in uh, a mastermind that we were members of. It's, it's a great place. Uh, he's got a lot of good connections. So it, just about any structure, any project, I guarantee you, Sam has probably done it or thought about it being creative. I'm sure that if he can't answer a question, he's got a group of people he can ask. So, which is the best part about these masterminds. Yeah, yeah, you well, I'll so figure out the answer. You're right. Oh, heck I yeah. I know it. I'll figure it out. That is awesome. Sam, so we're getting to the conclusion of the show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen. I'm gonna do the best part. This is my favorite part of the show. And so, tell me the name of your podcast again. Um, it's Ordinary Guys, Extraordinary Wealth. Awesome, I love it. And this is gonna come out pretty quick, so hopefully, it should be at the same time your podcast comes out. So, which is awesome. Perfect. That'd be awesome. All right, you see my screen? I do see it. All right, so you're an ordinary guy. So I'm gonna ask you just three ordinary questions. It got nothing to do with real estate, right? Because people gotta understand that. You bring somebody on who's been doing real estate for seven years, has $40 million plus of, of real estate. You know, we're still all normal people, right? There's really, you know, we're normal. There's nothing, I guess you could say, special about us. It's just, we just hang out with different people. We have different mindset. You know, we just take different, we just make different decisions, right? And, but we're still human. So here are some three random questions, and I'm not going to give you a pass at any of these. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First question for Sam. Let's see what we got. Let's see if we get a harder one. Or at least a challenging one at the beginning. Let's see what we got. All right. First question. All right. What is the craziest thing you ever sneaked into a movie theater? Um, nothing probably too crazy. Probably some little bitty bottles of vodka when I was younger yeah. and sneaking them and pouring them in the in the sodas. There you go. You know, I never thought about sneaking a little bottle. I thought about how do I get like a big cup, you know, inside. Just several little you know, bottles in your hoodie yeah. pocket, man. They can add up and throw them in there. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's super cool. All right. So some vodka, 
I think actually one time we I brought in a fifth and then I remember my buddy poured it and it was glass and he set it down and it rolled all the way down, you know, oh, down shoot. the slope, down to the I think we left. <laughs> hey, everybody heard it, yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's that's wonderful. That's awesome. All right. Second question for Sam. The suspense is killing me. All right, let's see. Here we go. Oh, we got a pretty easy one coming up. Second question is that uh, what is your favorite food? My favorite food would probably be chicken and shrimp, uh, Cajun pasta. Cajun pasta. A little chicken. How spicy. So spicy from one to 10. How spicy? Uh, not super. I'd say probably five, maybe. I'm not okay, that's good. A, a little bit of a kick, but not, not, not where it burns your mouth. No, I, I don't mind a little bit, but it just kind of seems to, my body doesn't always agree with it's too spicy. So. All right. Awesome. All right. So coming. chicken, shrimp, Cajun. So anybody ever take Sam out to eat? You know what he's gonna you might as well buy him dinner, okay? Let's All right, last last question. All right, let's see. How do you feel about pineapple on your pizza? You know, they used to kind of uh, piss me off, but talking about mindset and growing and changing, there's uh very, very few things in my life that make me mad anymore and things I can't control. So you want pineapple on your pizza, do it, or you want pizza on your pineapple, do it. I'm good with it. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you, Sam. You have survived a naked truth roulette. I did it. Thanks for being a good sport. Thank you so much for being on the show as well. Any any last words, anything you'd like to say before we let you go? I don't think so. Just appreciate having me on. And hopefully, you know, people just understand through listening to your podcast and this episode that anybody really can do it. You don't have to have a silver spoon. Real estate has so many options. You just got to understand that you can accomplish something and then go accomplish it. You don't have to work for somebody else until you're 65 years old when you're told to enjoy retirement. You can take control of your life now and enjoy it and you know create more wealth than you could have imagined. No matter what situation you come from, I promise you, you can. You just got to believe it and go do it. Awesome. Awesome, Sam. And let me know once your podcast up is up and running. I would love to jump on a any show with a uh, podcast episode with you. Awesome. Take you up on that for sure. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. This is Javier, your host. Don't lose your shirt. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician. You don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? Because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So, I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link, so they're going to send me a kickback. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you can either download it as an Excel or you can put it on monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks, for everybody. It's, uh, it's actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's a really cool Monday, like the day, monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.